Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. Overeater, recovering know-it-all. Uh, Bob, thank you for inviting me to share my experience, strength, and hope. I've been in program 42 years, and I have 40 years of back-to-back abstinence because of the 12 steps, my higher power, going to a lot of meetings, making a lot of phone calls. Ron, um, sorry to interrupt. Your your audio is very, very low volume. So if you could move closer or speak up, that would be great. Thanks. So I I have 40 years of continuous abstinence. Um, My uh, sponsor years ago said to me, uh, a lot of people share what it was like, what it was like, and what it was like. And he said, I would prefer that you share what it was like. what happened, and how little you've changed. <laughs> he had a great sense of humor. Um, I was born and raised in Los Angeles to a lower middle-class family. Uh, I say that because we couldn't afford to go to May Company. I had to, we had to shop in uh, Sears in the Husky department, which was pretty demoralizing. Um, Uh, I was easily manipulated. If my parents said, I will buy you if you lose weight, I would lose weight. Uh, Always gained it back. I was on every imaginable diet. Uh, I was on HCG and Weight Watchers, uh, uppers and downers and fasting and all kinds of stuff. And they all worked. Um, But I put all my weight back. Um, my family was dysfunctional and I didn't know what to do with all this craziness. So I had two sentences on my forehead. I am not enough and there's something wrong with me. And I spent most of my life believing and proving that that was true until I came into program and really started working the, uh, the steps and um, and finding a higher power through those steps. Um, in 1979, uh, once again, I was going back up. Uh, I literally could not stop compulsively overeating. The big book says that we, we uh, cross a line where uh, we no longer have choice, that if I compulsively start eating, I can't tell you when I'm going to stop. And that was me. Um, I tried all the diets again. It didn't work. I called a family member and I said, I can't stop eating compulsively. Do you have any suggestions? She said, why don't you go to OA? Well, OA was Order of the Arrow and the Boy Scouts. And I could not figure out how I was going to lose weight in Order of the Arrow. Um, What I learned in junior high school, which I don't remember doing before, was comparing myself to other kids my age. And I was was overweight. 
Um, and it was not until uh, my sponsor, I shared with Tom that uh, I compare myself to other people. He said, do you know what you're doing? And I said, no. He said, you're comparing your insides to their outsides. You don't know what's going on with someone unless they tell you. So I said, well, what is recovery? He said, comparing yourself to where you were to where you are today. I've never heard stuff like that. So I was sent to OA. I went to uh, OA meetings at the Darby office every morning, uh, except the weekend at uh, 10 o'clock. And um, it was a wonderful group of women uh, who mothered me. And, and, and it was absolutely wonderful. I heard something about, about um, uh, getting a sponsor. So I asked some woman to be my sponsor. In those days, we had gray sheet, orange sheet, and blue sheet. I was looking for the diet. So I went on the gray sheet. And um, this woman said, call me every morning and tell me what you're going to eat. And I did that. Uh, and I went down to 125 pounds. Uh, and I'm 5'8". I have a disease of more. If something's good, I'm going to go more more toward that. Uh, and uh, in, in the early morning meetings, the 10 o'clock meetings at that time, we used to play gr uh, cheap group therapy. We would sit around and bitch and moan about somebody in our life. Uh, and then we would play, can you top this? You think that's bad? Let me tell you. I didn't know any any difference. We didn't talk about higher power. We didn't talk about the steps. We didn't talk about the big book. But I was 125 pounds, and I thought I had arrived. Uh, I had no ego problem at all, of course. And, um, uh, and after a number of years, a woman came up to me and said, you don't look happy, joyous, and free. And in the big book, on page 133, it says, God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. I have learned that happy, joyous, and free can mean happy is the absence of fear, joyous is living in gratitude, and free is free of the obsession. And I said to her, no, I'm not happy, joyous, and free. Uh, she said, you need to go to an AA meeting. And I went, an AA meeting? They drink. I don't drink alcohol unless it has an umbrella. <laughs> I want the sugar. And um, so I went. I went to uh, an AA noon meeting. And, uh, and I sat there for an hour and a half. And this woman came up to me and said, uh, what did you think about the meeting? I said, oh, they, they talk about something they're not going to do for an hour and a half. I am not going to drink for an hour and a half. We don't do that in OA. We sit and we we play group therapy. Uh, she did God shot number one. Why don't you listen to the similarities instead of the dissimilarities? I didn't even know I was doing that. Came back the next day to the noon meeting, and I heard somebody say, I can act my way into good thinking, but not think my way into good actions. And I always thought it was the other way around. I became a psychotherapist because I figured that if I could analyze my life well enough, I could change it. I could control it. 
And I learned in, uh, in program, there are only two things that I have control over, my actions and my attitude. So uh, she then said to me, you don't look happy, joyous, and free. And on page 133, it says, God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. And I said, well, I've only been here a couple days. And she said, God shot number two, you need a four-step sponsor. She did not say, you need a step sponsor. She just said a four-step sponsor. And I looked at her arrogantly and said, there's no one in OA that has what I want. I've had people in OA take me through the steps uh, a number of times. One did it in an hour, and one did it in a couple of hours, and I got nothing out of it. So God shot number three. She said, who frightened you the most in this room? Now, remember, I'm in the AA room, and I'm not an alcoholic. And I said, that that bully over there, Captain Serenity, who reminded me of every bully that I ever dealt with as a child. She said, good, go ask him to be your sponsor. I said, you have a death wish. This guy boasts that he's killed 11 people. She says, I think he's a teddy bear. So I called him on the phone and I said, Captain, I'd like to ask you to be my sponsor. And he said, are you an alcoholic? He's very loving. And I went, no. He said, what are you? I said, I'm a compulsive overeater. And he said, oh, I don't sponsor them. They're sick. And I said, Tom, I'll, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. He said, good, call me for 30 days at five o'clock. So I started calling him and he said to me, the answer to every living problem is found in the big book. And I'm of no value to anybody unless I know where the answer is in the big book. So he had me read a half a page a day and underline one main idea. And then we talked about it. And I learned so much from doing that. I learned that the main purpose on page 45, the main purpose of this book is to help us find a power greater than ourself that can solve our problem. And I thought my problem was compulsive overeating. It was pointed out to me that that was my solution to my problem. My problem is on page 23. And it says that our disease centers mainly in our mind. And that, for some reason, made a lot of sense. Uh, I remember years ago, I don't hear it in meetings nowadays, but years ago, there were a couple things we used to say. One is, how do you keep your weight off? Running up and down the 12 steps. And I love that. The other one was the three Ps. Perfectionism leads to procrastination, which leads to paralysis. And that was absolutely true for me. Um, slowly, um, I would call him every day and we would, we would talk. I learned that I had to find one person in this program that I could tell anything to. And they weren't going to judge me. They were not going to try to rescue me. They were not going to try to fix me. All they were going to do is listen to me and suggest things 
and it's my choice whether I choose to do them or not. I remember I was going to visit my sister and my, I always had problems uh, with my disease with at family functions. And he said, well, you know, on page 102 in the big book, it says, go with an attitude of what you can bring instead of what you can get. And I always went up with the attitude of them making a big deal over me. So he also said, do something for someone else and not get found out. That was very difficult for me. Uh, my feeling was that if it couldn't put be put on the 11 o'clock news, it wasn't worth it. And I learned that that might not be true. So uh, I was up at my sister's. She had new babies. And I went into her bathroom and, uh, and I cleaned it up. Uh, I also noticed that her towels were threadbare. So every time I went up there, I brought two new brand, brand new towels, never told her. And I, I would put it in the bathroom or I would put it in the closet. And um, it was amazing because it helped me get out of myself. Uh, I am not, my, my mind is not a good neighborhood to hang around. Um, I remember uh, I was sponsoring, I don't sponsor women now, but I did years ago. And there was one woman that I sponsored, a lovely lady. She went in for back surgery and it was successful. And um, she checked herself out of the hospital. She went home and she committed suicide. And I didn't know what to do. And I, I went to a meeting and I was talking to a guy and he said, call your sponsor. And I said, it's not five o'clock. This was an evening meeting. He said, call him when you get home, call him anyway. And I called Tom and uh, he got very serious and he said, what's going on? And I said, this wonderful lady who had had a successful back surgery um, came home. She checked herself out of the hospital. She went home. She committed suicide, and her two elementary school children found her dead. And all he did was say, that had to hurt. And I just broke down and started crying. And later he said to me, you know, Ron, what you need to do is share this at meetings so people might understand that compulsive overeating is not a cutesy diet. It kills people. This is something we can take the disease seriously, but not ourselves. Um, this program has been an absolute gift. One of the things that I learned at 36 years, took me that long, was how to listen differently. I don't know about you, but whenever I listen to somebody before this, uh, I was always thinking about what I was going to say, how I was going to respond. And I learned in program that for me, listening is not sharing my experience, strength, and hope unless they ask. Uh, it's just listening. And um, that was very, very difficult for me because I'm a fixer. I'm a rescuer. And, uh, and I learned that Often, not always, I'm not perfect, thank God, but often 
uh, if somebody calls me, I will say, do you need me to listen or would you like me to share? That's five minutes. Five oh, thank minutes. you. And if, if you need me to listen, that's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to listen. And um, uh, it has taken practice like anything that I, I, I needed to change every, almost everything of the thinking that I had about life. Um, I, am, I am so grateful. The fact that I get to work a 10-step every day, whether I like it or not. Um, I remember a number of years ago, I heard somebody say, um, I need to, to tell everything to my sponsor. And I asked myself, in my 10-step, do I tell everything? And it dawned on me, I would edit before I would send it to my sponsor. And I thought, well, maybe I don't trust my sponsor. So maybe what I should do is not edit and just send everything to him. And I sent everything to him. He didn't respond because there was no question mark is what I, I was taught. I was taught I don't give my experience, strength, and hope or, or, or suggestions unless there's a question mark at the end of a sentence. And um, it, was, it was absolutely amazing. This program has saved my life. If my life wasn't better, I wouldn't have stayed. My life is so much better, a lot because of Dr. Paul's and acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. I get to accept when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling fearful, when I'm feeling angry, when I'm feeling anything, that I get to work six and seven. I get to say, God, help me to accept what I'm feeling. And I don't have to like it. I just need to accept it. And in seven, I ask God to remove it. I relax. I take it easy, as it says on page 84. And the last thing I'd like to share is on page 86, it is so simple. It tells me a suggestion of what to do at night, what to do in the morning, and what to do in the afternoon. It is so simple. This program is amazing. It is absolutely a miracle. And I am so grateful. And I want to thank you again for allowing me to share. Thanks. Thank you, Victoria. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are his own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need to identify yourself. You need not identify yourself. If you were asked a question last week, please wait for the first three questions that have been asked before raising your hand. Um, so you can raise your hand icon for the questions, and then I will call on you uh, and unmute, and then uh, Ron will answer. Uh, Christina, let's start with Christina. Hi, um, my question is, could you repeat the definitions of happy, joyous, and free? Oh, Ron, you're muted. 
Am I muted or? You're now you're unmuted. Oh, this phone is, uh, is I, I've got to stop buying my phone at Big Lots. <laughs> happy, joyous, and free that I learned was happy is the absence of fear. Joyous is living in gratitude and free is free of the obsession. Thank you so much. Sammy B. Hi, uh, Sammy. Um, I guess compulsive overeater. Um, uh, I was just wondering like how your abstinence like changed over time from like maybe one ish, like to, you know, gradually getting more recovery and like how your abstinence can change over time. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. At the beginning, uh, I, I, uh, wore my abstinence like a straitjacket. Uh, because for the first five years, I was dieting. And so I had no sugar, no flour, just what the gray sheet said. Slowly, with the help of my, of my sponsor, uh, I started relaxing that. I reintroduced flour. I still don't eat sugar. Um, and uh, uh, I have found that God has helped me to, um, to eat a healthier amount of food that is better for me. And as I've gotten older in program, I've had to cut back on my eating, but it had nothing to do with me. God did it for me and it happened very easily. And I'm just, I'm just grateful. Thank you. Um, Susan B. Hi, everyone. I'm Susan, um, grateful member of OA. Ron, thank you so much. What a fabulous, um, so glad I logged in this morning. Um, really really appreciated all that you said. Um, been in program for a long time and I'm finding myself um, in my husband's food and wondering if you have any experience with anyone that you've lived with, you know, their food issues and what you've done about it. Um. Well, the only thing is, I'm only responsible for what I eat. And I had to learn to stop focusing on what other people are eating. And I don't, I don't know if that answers the question. I guess it, 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 it's, it's a great reminder. Thank you. I guess I should be more specific. It's, um, uh, how do I say this? Um, eating, Amounts of food that belong to like 
the family, like greater amounts of food that, so, um, I think, you know, I just, I think I'll have to take this to a, to a sponsor and maybe do some writing. Yeah. I don't have any experience in that. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Ron. Um, Phoebe, Phoebe. Hi, I'm Phoebe. I'm a compulsive reader. I'm visiting from New York. I'm happy to be here. Um, thank you, Ron, for your share. Um, I'm wondering, what do you do when you experience food thoughts? When I experience food thoughts, uh, I will often call somebody and talk about it. If I'm not able to, I will talk to God about it. Um, Most of my experience, I have, the obsession had been removed. So it normally is not an issue. But once in a while, uh, I will have thoughts about whatever. And I I just say, isn't that interesting? I'm having these food thoughts. I wonder what I might not be doing or facing that is causing this to come up. So often I will do a 10 step on it and I ask God for clarity before I start doing it. And if the answer doesn't come up, then I know it's in God's time that the answer will come. But if I don't tell my secrets to at least one other person, they have so much control over me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Carol. Um. Hi, Ron. Thank you so much for your share. Can you talk a little bit about your process of making amends and if you have a sort of favorite amends experience, whether that was positive, negative, or, or what? Um, just give us some, some, uh, some exa- an example of a, of a meaningful amends. How's that? Honest, I don't remember too much. I do remember that before I ever made an amends to anybody, My sponsor said, always talk to your sponsor before making amends. I remember in my my own experience, a relative came to me and made amends without asking her sponsor for molesting me as a child. I didn't even know I was molested as a child. And it just sent me into a tailspin. So uh, I spoke to my sponsor and he said, That is one of the reasons why we never make amends to somebody unless we check with our sponsor first. Um, Normally what I would do is I would ask God to go with me to make the amends. I would call my sponsor before I go. I went and made the amends. And afterwards I called my sponsor and talked about it. Most of the people were very gracious about accepting my amends, and um, I was very grateful for that. One of the greatest things 
about step nine is it stops me from doing a lot of things. <laughs> I don't like making amends. So it's been exceedingly helpful to stop me from opening my mouth and saying something. Thanks. Michelle. Hi, Ron. Thank you very much for your share today. Uh, I was curious about your daily practice. Um, if you have a morning and evening spiritual routine or whatever your routine is, the uh, daily routine. Thank you. Did, did my sponsor call you and ask you to ask this question? <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> the conspiracy. I love that. The first thing that I do every morning when I awaken is I say, thank you, God. And then I get down on the floor and I do some exercises. I do sit-ups. I do back stretching. I do planking. Uh, I do, I do uh, push-ups. And the funny thing is I've been doing planking for eight years now. And I don't have a six-pack stomach. I don't have an eight-pack stomach. I don't have a four-pack stomach. I don't have a snack-pack stomach, but I do that. Then I get up, and I, uh, I do my prayer and meditation, and then I sit and I write my 10th step, and I send it to my sponsor, and then I ask God, help me to do your will today, and then I move on with my day. Good question. Thank you. Carla. Well, good morning. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me, Ron. Um, I have a question that's really based on observation of, of us, and I'm making an assumption, but, um, what, uh, you know, I hear so much about what we're doing to work the program, but what do you do for self-care and for fun? I have a problem with fun. Uh, self-care for me is working the steps, clearing away the wreckage of my past, and I live a much happier, joyous life. I don't live in fear most of the time. Uh, I live in gratitude most of the time. Um, uh, fun is, is, is difficult for me. Um, I used to go to Disneyland three days a week, and they changed uh, the thing where you have to get reservations and stuff. So um, that that has been curtailed uh, quite a bit. Um, but fun is difficult, even even today for me, to know what what is fun. Allie. Hi, thank you so much for um, your lead. I really appreciated everything. Um, I'm curious to hear what your um, relationship is like with your higher power and kind of the evolution of your relationship with your higher power from when you first came into program to what it's like now. Thank you. Well, my, my uh, childhood relationship was fear because I believed that God was like a parent who rewarded you when you were good and punished you when you were bad. And in program, I was told that I would need to change 
most, if not all, of my beliefs, and that that came up. Uh, and over a long period of time, uh, I slowly changed my belief from a vindictive, punishing God to a best friend who only wants good for me. I was told in program there are three ways that God answers any question. Yes, not now, and I've got something better for you. Because I don't like no. And so uh, when I asked somebody about that, they said, well, what about yes, not now, and I've got something better for you down the road. That worked tremendously. And I, I've learned in program to not build a, a negative case against myself or my higher power. Um, I have learned more and more as I keep working the program that God only wants good for me. And I am so grateful. I often start my prayer with, if it be your will, and that took years before I was going to actually turn that over. I said to my sponsor, I would like to have that connection with God eight hours of the day. And he said, that would be nice, but it's not reality. Five, five minutes, Ron. Five minutes. Uh, I'm finished. No, you've got five more minutes. Uh, I have a quick question, Ron. Um, when it's so much of the big book is about alcohol and you said, look for the similarities, not the, or look for the similarities, not let the differences, not the similarities. Did I paraphrase that correctly? Uh, I, I think I was told, look for the similarities, not the dissimilarities. Dissimilar. Yeah. Can you kind of explain that a little? Well, I, I learned that, uh, that when I read the big book, I change alcohol and alcoholism to compulsive overeater and food. Um, I was also told that if I have problems connecting, that I should read the story about the jaywalker who has nothing to do with alcoholism. That helped a great deal. So when I started looking at, at, um, the doctor's opinion, and it said that I had an allergy of the body, an obsession of the mind, I went, yeah, I do. And so instead of looking for, oh, well, I don't, I, I don't identify with that, I have more of an open mind, and I, I look at these things and say, well, that might be true, or... I'll look at it at another day. And um, I have found, I kept thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to learn from the wives part of the big book? And I opened my mind, and I got all kinds of incredible gems because I was willing to let go of my, my uh, preconceived ideas um, my sponsor said, it's not what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know absolutely for sure that can kill you. Thank you. 
We have time for about a two-minute question. Cheryl. Thank you, Ron, for your excellent lead. Um, could you speak about how and when you were relieved of that fear, like that all-encompassing fear of everything, fear of nothing, fear of life fear? I don't know. <laughs> to be very honest, I'm a very slow learner. Uh, that's why it took me 36 years to learn to listen differently. Um, there wasn't one moment. It just slowly happened over years and years and years and years of working the program imperfectly, working the steps imperfectly. I was taught there's no right or wrong way to work the steps, except maybe to not work them. Um, and I'm so grateful because slowly um, the fear went away. A lot of it was step six and seven. I would ask God, because I used to analyze my fear, which never taught me anything. Um, but I, I, I learned in program that I can ask God, help me to accept my fear, even if I don't like it. And in and seven, please remove it. And on page 84, as I said, we relax and we take it easy. Over doing that over years and years and years, I noticed... Um, because I'm the last to know if I've changed, that I'm not living in fear most of the time. And I'm just, I'm just so grateful. 